It's time for the podcast from two guys who still think fart jokes are funny. It's the Morning Five, sponsored by Marine South. You know what the day is? Taco Tuesday! Shane Spikeman. Taco Tuesday! <laughs> they built for speed or for comfort? You'll get nothing and like it. Wake up, West Georgia. It is time for your favorite morning podcast. It is the morning five. We've reached August. It's Tuesday, August 1st, 2021, or 2023. Good Lord, Christ. I'm already just pushing everything back. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. It's Bryce and Billy again. It's not 2023. It's definitely 2021. Yeah. Yeah, definitely 2021. Don't push back two Uh, years, man. We were still battling COVID in 2021. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we beat it now, though. It's over. It's done. We eviscerated it. <laughs> done. It's, yeah, it's yes. off the face of the earth. We put it in a time capsule and shot it up to Mars. It did no longer <laughs> exist on Earth. We took all of COVID and shot it up to Mars. Bryce, today is a big day. Is it? No. Oh. It's, it's, it's going to be a pie day. I liked the enthusiasm. I liked the buildup. I thought it was a bit. I thought it was something I didn't know about. I was excited there for a second. Nah, no, what is not. today? It's All right. <laughs> uh, Billy, what is your favorite homemade pie? I'm a big, and I think we've talked about this, but I think I'm a big chocolate pudding pie person. I really, I like, really like chocolate pudding pies. Okay. I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying to think. Yeah, probably blueberry yum yum. Uh, it's essentially just like blueberry. I don't know. Frosting topping. I guess, I guess it's a pie. I don't know. Now that I'm trying to go over, it, like I'm a big cobbler guy. Uh, what pie? I don't know. I don't know if there's a, a favorite pie. I think blueberry yum yum is it. Uh, it. It's it's sort of a pie. I suppose. I suppose. I'm not sure what's in it. Um. I know my grandmother used to make it all the time growing up. It's it's just like blueberry like filling topping with uh, cream cheese. It's like a cream cheese dessert type deal. It's really good. I assume, I assume it's a pie. It looks like a pie. Yeah. But I, I, I'd have to put that up there. I don't know. I don't, I don't really we don't eat a ton of pies. I don't think I've ever had blueberry yum yum. It's pretty good, man. Um, it's it's essentially just like uh, the, the pie crust underneath, like a cream cheese layer, like a blueberry filling type layer. And then on top of that is whipped cream, I think. And then on top of that is like uh, more more pie crumbles. It's pretty good. It's yeah. it's a pretty good treat. I like warm apple pie too. Who doesn't like warm apple pie? Nobody. Nobody doesn't like warm apple pie. It's, it's really good. It's like third base. You know what I mean? Warm apple pie. You can't beat it. Yeah, very much so. All right. Uh, what we can beat is the fact that the fact the Angels beat the Braves last night, four to one. Uh, it was not a good night for the Braves offense. Um, just couldn't get anything going. No. Like anything. Uh, Olsen with the lone RBI had a big bomb in the fifth inning. Um, Olsen had a had has hit 18 of his National League leading 36 homers over 36 games going back to June 15th. He's homered once every 7.6 at bats during that <laughs> that span and that's when he got moved from the second spot in the lineup <laughs> hit a home run once every 7.6 at bats that's nuts dude that's once every other game i, I mean if, if you kept that up that'd be 80 almost 81 home runs uh, a year <laughs> on that base 
he hit two on Sunday, right? Yep. And then he hit uh, one yesterday. So yep. I mean, it's just been he's been hot as hell right now. Yeah. Two two home runs um, behind Shohei for the major league uh, lead. Which we'll talk about Shohei here in a second. Matt Olson's homer in the fifth was the 200th of the season for the Braves. The Dodgers are the next closest team to the made in the majors with 168. Yeah, that's sort of like what we talked about yesterday is if if the home runs aren't flying out of the ballpark for the Braves, we really can't score. Uh, we live and die by the long ball. Luckily, we have hit the long ball very, very well this year. Uh, but when we get into games where we are not hitting home runs, we're not really good at getting them on, getting them over, and getting them in. We're not an ABC baseball-type team. Um, so I, I think it's just something to keep in mind going forward, going into the playoffs. I'm not going to say it is a weakness of the Braves. I guess, I guess it sort of is, but the way we've been hitting home runs and the frequency in which we've been hitting home runs, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to hurt us too bad, but it's certainly something to keep your eye on. But when we're not hitting home runs, that's the problem. Yes. And right now, we're not hitting home runs very much. Um, Austin Riley has been hot of late, but, you know, he's, you know, it's if you're not hitting home runs and you're not doing the things we need to do and, and coming up with clutch at bats, my biggest question right now, Bryce, is if we looked, let's just say, since the All-Star break, what is our runners in scoring position, um, you know, average look like you I know would, what I mean I would guess not good I would say no. our average with runners in scoring position since the all-star break is probably below 200 if I had a guess I, I I don't know what it is but I would guess it's probably below 200 and that would be my guess too Charlie Morton had a decent outing last night six innings pitch three earned eight K's um he did not look good early he was not being able to <laughs> no. locate um, but he fought and clawed, and that's what you expect from your veteran um, starter. So, I mean, I, I can't complain about Charlie. He just he didn't have his, his stuff last night, but he still was able to put in a, a good outing, and I, I, I like it. I call these um, Charlie Morton games because that's, that's yeah. what you expect out of Charlie Morton. Six innings pitched, three earned runs, eight Ks. If I can get that out of Charlie Morton every single time, he goes out there. I'm going to be very happy. You give me five to six uh, innings pitched per night out of, out of a Charlie Morton start, and you give me around three earned runs every single time you go out there, I will take that 10 days out of 10 out of Charlie Morton. Absolutely. It was nice to see A.J. Mitchell back on the bump last night. He came off of the injured list and was able to come back in. Um, the <laughs> truest part let out some booze last night, and it <laughs> – it was good. It was good to hear. And I think part of why you want to hear that, if you're a Braves fan, this is a recruiting trip, if anything. In my mind, this is a recruiting trip. Okay? You had a Monday night in July. And what was the attendance last night? Uh, 41,149. <laughs> Or no, That's excuse probably, me. Excuse me. That is capacity. We were over capacity. It was 41,173. So we were, uh, you know, a little over 20-something people over capacity. On a Monday night in July when it was 95 degrees outside. And the booze were raining down when they walked Shohei. That is a recruiting trip for Shohei Otani. I don't care what you say. 
that I mean, I think that this entire three game series is for Braves fans. You're wanting to cheer for him because he is a great baseball player. And you're also pointing out the fact that, hey, we're great fans. Please come to Atlanta when you when you're a free agent this offseason. Yeah, it'd be nice to get a man. Um, I, don't, I don't know if the Braves are going to shell out what Shohei is going to probably command on the open market, but it'd be nice, man, especially since we haven't haven't re-signed Max Freed yet next year. Uh, it, it, yeah, I, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it, but I, I don't think there's any baseball fan in the entire MLB that wouldn't be for Shohei Otani signing with their team. They'd be, they'd be insane if they were. I mean, would you rather have Shohei or would you rather have Max? Oh, Shohei, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah, not even a, not even a question. Um, I, I'd like to have both if, if that's possible. I'd like to have my cake and eat it too if I can request that. But, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd much rather have Shohei. Uh, the box, see, this, this last point I don't know about because I think I've I either <laughs> passed out or I, I don't know about the boxing match. What are you talking about? Valley uh, uh, Sports South turned off the game in the – it was either the top of the ninth or the bottom of the ninth. I don't really specifically remember when it happened, but it was in the ninth inning. Uh, and th- just the game just flipped off. The programming they, went over no, to I, some random boxing match. They so, did not. 100%. Yeah, I didn't – uh, apparently on the app it was still the game, but on on cable TV it switched over to a boxing match. I didn't get to watch the ninth inning, so I just sort of had to keep up with it on my on my phone. Um, but yeah, Valley Sports South. Not only are they going bankrupt, uh, but they also switched over to a boxing match at the end of a Braves game. What the hell? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I don't I don't know what happened, why it happened, anything like that. But uh, yeah, boxing match to end the Braves game last night. Good job, Valley Sports. Good job. I don't even know who it was boxing. It wasn't even anybody that was well-known or anything on a Monday night. All right. Uh, Braves game two will be tonight at 720, and then game three will be tomorrow at a uh, that's a 1220 mat, or first pitch, I think. It's a businessman special. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, uh, uh, so all those businessmen can bring their daughters. I know that's a that's a big thing for these 1220 starts is, uh you know, he's, he's you know, 50 60 year old men like to bring their daughters to games it's pretty cool i, I like to see a, a daddy daughter date no doubt yeah really cool all right bryce we've done these off-season lists and we're getting close to the fact that we don't need to do them anymore but uh let's uh do another one shall we what we got today all nfl offense Ooh, all right i like it so i I just looked at your list and the fact that I haven't put my list together. The great thing about this list is there's so many great NFL players that you can probably say, well, you put him, I'm going to put him. You know what I mean? So I'm going to put a different player under each spot. So why don't you tell me your list and I'll work on up mine. All right, so uh, we're gonna start with the quarterback. We have one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, and then an entire offensive line unit. Instead of going offensive lineman by offensive lineman, we just went with a unit. What is the best offensive line unit? At quarterback, I have the GOAT. Uh, TB12, Tom Terrific, Touchdown Tom, the GOAT, Comeback Kid. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's Tom Brady. It, it has to be Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the de facto greatest quarterback and probably greatest football player of all time 
15-time Pro Bowl, seven-time Super Bowl champ, three-time All-Pro. I mean, the guy just wins five-time Super Bowl MVP. There's, there's not much that Tom Brady didn't do during his 765-year career in the NFL. Took the Pats to multiple Super Bowls, went down to Tampa, was there for three years, led them to a Super Bowl victory. Uh, he is the GOAT. He is the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, in the running back slot, I have Jim Brown and Barry Sanders are my two running backs. Jim Brown, Hall of Famer, nine-time Pro Bowl, eight-time All-Pro, uh, won the NFL championship back when it was the NFL championship from St. Simons Island, the Georgia boy. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. Played, didn't play a, what did he play, like seven or eight seasons, I think, for the Browns. Not a very long career, but the short career that he did have was absolutely illustrious. I mean, led the league in rushing. I want to say he led the league in rushing in every single season he played football. I might be wrong, but I think every single season that Jim Brown played football, he led the he led the NFL or uh, led the league he was playing in back then. It wasn't the NFL yet. Led it in yards. And I think he led half in touchdowns and then yards per game. Jim Brown led it in. So the short career that Jim Brown had was absolutely insane. Once again, another guy that had a shorter career, but is, in my opinion, the greatest college and NFL running back ever. Barry Sanders, Hall of Famer, 10-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, uh, won the MVP in 1997. A dude that was just electric every time he touched the ball. Led the league in rushing for four years. Led the league in touchdowns in 91. Led the league in yards per game four years. Led it in 91, 94, 96, and 97. Uh, the second, I, I don't, this this is tough. I don't know if he's the second or first greatest Detroit Lion of all time because there's another guy on my list that might be the number one. Uh, but he is he is the de facto greatest running back of all time, college and NFL. It's Barry Sanders. At wide receiver one, I have Mr. Jerry Rice, Hall of Famer, 13-time Pro Bowler, 10-time All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champ. The dude was the epitome of a wide receiver. Had a 21-year career that spanned from San Francisco to Oakland. Played a little bit in Seattle in 2014. Played into his 40s as a wide receiver, which doesn't happen. I mean, his first 12 years in San Francisco were absolutely insane. Led the NFL in receiving for seven years, led him in touchdown for six. I mean, he had one year where he scored 22 touchdowns as a wide receiver, absolutely insane. That was in the 80s too, when they weren't slanging it all over the park like they are now. So Jerry, uh, Jerry Rice is my wide receiver run one. My wide receiver two, is Randy Moss. I mean, there's a there's a reason why right now when kids play jackpot and they catch a ball over another kid's head, they still call it getting mossed. And none of these kids were even alive when, when Randy Moss was really at his heyday. Uh, retired right. in 2012, 35 years old, Hall of Famer, six-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. Randy Moss was probably the second most athletic freak I ever saw at the wide receiver position. I mean, the first six years in the league, all over uh, a thousand yards receiving, led the NFL in touchdowns in five years, had 23 touchdowns in 07 with New England, kind of a resurgence year for him. Uh, that was, I believe, when he finished second for Offensive Player of the Year. Randy Moss was just an absolute insane freak of a wide receiver. 
And my wide receiver three probably would be wide receiver one if he would have been in the NFL for a little bit longer. A guy that only played nine seasons in the NFL, came from Georgia Tech, had a Tyrone, Georgia. I saw Mike Tolbert tackle this guy with one hand in high school. Uh, Calvin Johnson, uh, Megatron, Hall of Famer, six-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. Once again, the stats, the career stats, aren't going to pop off the page at you. Led the NFL receiving in 2011, 2012. Led the NFL in receiving touchdowns in 08. One of the guys that you had to game plan around when you played the Detroit Lions, really the only player that they had that was any good. And it's it's kind of a hard... It's a hard list for me when you're choosing who the greatest defensive or the who the greatest lion is between Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, because both of those guys were just, just athletic freaks. They were just insane. Cal- Calvin yeah. Johnson. Yeah. One of my favorite players to watch uh, in my offensive line unit was the 1970s Oakland Raiders, an absolutely legendary group of linemen. They had Jim Otto, Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, George Bueller, Bob Brown. I mean, they steamrolled the best defenses in football from, from 71 onwards. Uh, the offensive line only allowed 24 sacks in 14 games in 1971 and 1972. Uh, they were they were just an absolute force to be reckoned with back when football was football. So that is, uh, that is my all-time NFL offensive grouping. Awesome. All right, so I'm going to do mine a little bit quicker. Um since you took Brady, I'm going to take Manning. Give me Peyton Manning. <clears throat> He's, in my opinion, Manning is a better quarterback, but Brady has more wins. Okay? That's just my personal opinion, and people can argue with me all you want to. That's fine. Hey, do you play to win the game, or do you play to be really good? I, I'm what just did I just say? Do, I do understand you play to, do you play that to win you the have game? a different opinion. Do you play to win the game? I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Do you go out there and I just want to put up stats, or do you want to go out there I and win? Look. Dan Marino is a great quarterback. There's no doubt about it. Dan Marino's a terrible quarterback. Laces out, Dan. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> I, for the record, I love Peyton Manning way more than I like. I hate Tom Brady. Love Peyton Manning. Yeah. Huge Peyton Manning fan. Love Peyton. Uh, so Peyton Manning at my quarterback. At, at uh, running back one, give me Emmett Smith. Um, Emmett Smith is just... Emmett Smith was the running back that I grew up watching that I loved. Um, there was nothing that could stop that man. I swear to God. You want me to give you a hot take here I on mean, Tuesday? Do what? You want me to give you a hot take here on Tuesday? Yeah, go it, for it. Emmett Smith was overrated. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, coming from a, that's coming from a Cowboys fan. Uh, well, yeah. I, and, and listen, and, and as a Cowboys fan, you grew up watching Emmett Smith. So, yeah, I, did. I mean, that, I did. yeah. There's, I, I just, I appreciate him. Um, here's my next one, and this one's going to probably be a little bit of a hot take anyway. Um, give me Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was one of those players that came into the league and absolutely dominated. There was nothing you could do to stop him. You knew you were, the, the Vikings were going to run the ball. You knew it, and you couldn't stop him. Yeah. And AP that's what a I appreciate in a running back. Yeah. And he punches kids. So there's that. No, he didn't beef. punch kids. He just whipped the hell out of them with, with stuff. Yeah, with his fist. <laughs> I wonder if him and Ray Rice are fans. Friends. No, probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, since you went uh, Rice, Moss, and Johnson, I'm, I had to go a different route. And it's a little bit. These wide receivers are still Hall of Famers in my book. 
Um, I think two of them are, and one of them isn't yet, but he will be. Oh, really? Uh, what? I, I don't know. I got. I, I'll, I got a question. That last one. Nope. Nope. He's a Hall of Famer. There's oh, no doubt in my man. mind. Man. Well, yeah. Let's be real. <laughs> You're about to look up his stats. He's a Hall of Famer. No, I was. I was uh, thinking of. I was thinking of the Hall of Fame for the NFL. It's more of a, a an accomplishment, you know, like a. You mean a, Major League Baseball? Major League Baseball is the only. I'll. I'll die on this hill. Major League Baseball is the only Hall of Fame in any professional sports that matters. It's the only one. All right, uh, wide receiver one, give me T.O. Terrell Owens was, <laughs> he was just one of those dominant characters in in football for a long time. Um, he was wide receiver one. It didn't matter. He had such a big body that he could go up and get anything. And Love was, was a damn good wide receiver. Love that guy. Uh, wide receiver two for me, give me Marvin Harrison. Um, if you have Peyton Manning, you have to have Marvin Harrison. I mean, it's just bottom line. And Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., dude, we're about to see him <laughs> hit the NFL next year. And I would venture to say Marvin Harrison Jr. might beat his dad. He should. He has he has all the tools too. He's a much bigger wide receiver. And he I think I think right now Marvin Harrison Jr. is a better route runner than his dad ever was. Marvin Harrison was a hell of a wide receiver when he was in the NFL. Yes, he was. There's no doubt in my mind. Yes, he was. Uh, and wide receiver three, give me a Julio. Julio Jones, uh, dude, he was a dominant force for Atlanta. You knew he was getting the ball, and he still got the ball. I mean, how in the hell does he have a 300-yard game against Carolina, against a division opponent, when... Carolina plays him twice a year and knows that Julio is getting the ball. He's still got 300 yards. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I guess. I, 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 you know, one of these plus, things is not like the plus, other. I agree, but plus one of these things, the reason I, I am adding Julio is when I'm doing these lists, I'm thinking of what is, and Julio was one of those great possession receivers too in my mind. He was able to to, to make those catches that no one should have made i look at the catch he made in the super bowl that should have ended it against the patriots but didn't because screw you shanahan um but yeah just i I think of it as a let me let me put this into like madden and, and and play it out you know what i mean and then finally for the offensive line give me the 1990s dallas cowboy offensive line that line was ridiculous it's legendary um emmett smith is and you said he's overrated and it may be because of that offensive line that offensive line was that good that they just mowed over everybody that 90s offensive line should have been your running back (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah that 90s offensive line i mean they had they had the strongest nfl player of all time and larry johnson at left guard the dude that like squatted like 1200 pounds or something insane so um it was ridiculous yeah it was a ridiculous line again that's one of those things where you knew they're running the ball because the line was that good yep troy aikman is a see i think troy aikman's an overrated quarterback oh for sure yeah absolutely troy aikman is a uh, another hot take here tony romo was better than troy aikman a thousand percent agree. Yep. Yeah. A thousand percent agree. Yep. 
Yeah, that that nineties that nineties uh, Dallas Cowboys team. The only reason they were good is they had a stellar defense, insane, insane skill position wide receivers, and the greatest offensive line since the nineties. So, yeah, it was uh, a couple omissions: Michael Irving, Chris Carter, and I know one that I think we're gonna get a lot of crap about. Uh, we didn't have Walter Payton on there. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're gonna, think we're gonna catch some flack for uh, for no Walter Payton, but we will be doing the defense, I believe, tomorrow, and then special teams on Thursday. Billy, let's get to an SEC preview. Uh, we're gonna start with sort of the not the bottom feeders, but you know we got one or two guys that are gonna be below the top, and one or two that are gonna be on the top this year. Uh, we're gonna start with Vanderbilt. Vandy showed signs of progress last year as the program finished in five and seven in the second season under new head coach Clark Lee. Uh, Lee's efforts to revamp the roster showed up most on the offense. A.J. Swan took over as the starting quarterback last season as a true freshman. It looked really good. Had a lot of arm talent, probably the best arm talent that Nashville's seen since Jake Cutler was there. So a lot of hype going into the season behind A.J. Swan. No team in the SEC last year struggled more than Vandy, though, against the pass. Opponents racked up 8.7 yards per attempt. Vandy could also struggle at corner this year unless they get some big boosts from redshirt freshman Jadeus Richard or other DBs who transfer in. I don't think Vandy's going to be very good this year. There's a lot of hype around them, a lot of uh, a lot of juice behind Vandy fans. I give them a five and seven clip this year. I don't I don't think they're going to be over 500, and I I can guarantee you they're not going to battle for an SEC championship, which people are picking no. them for. Are you? No. Yeah. That's, that's a lie. I, I swear, I have seen writers pick Vandy as the SEC East uh, representative in the SEC championship game. I'm not even joking. Those writers need to... Uh, that All that is is, hey, look at me. A million percent. Uh, that is clickbait. <laughs> a million percent. You are a million percent right, Billy. It's, it's I'm going to be different. I'm going to pick Vandy. Rah! Uh, let's switch over to Texas A&M over on the west side. Uh, Tam U was one of college football's biggest disappointments in 2022. However, a quick rebound could be in store for Jimbo Fisher's squad. The Aggies aren't hurting for talent on the offensive side of the ball that features a rising quarterback, Connor Weigman, along with two SEC top receivers in Evan Stewart and Anias Smith. The addition of veteran play caller Bobby, Tr- Bobby Petrino, Billy's biggest uh, favorite coach, will also aid Weigman's development and overall production on the offense. Texas A&M's defense struggled mightily against the run last year, but similar to the offense, this unit should be reason for optimism with promising young talent at all three levels ready to step up in 2023. I don't see TAMU being much better than a 500 team. I got them at 6-6. Six and six. I hope they fail. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's just one of those, like, you know... Matt Chernoff does a uh, does a question of the day nah. before before their 680 uh, nah. show uh, every afternoon. Right. His question of the day yesterday was, "Who's the coach that you that you hate the most?" And Bobby Petrino has to be up there. Whoa! Is Bobby Petrino your number one? He has to be up there. I'm not sure he's number one. Now that I'm like I'm thinking about it a little bit There's more. There's only one coach that should be your number one, Billy. I mean, Hairball's up there too. It, but... Hairball is number one. It's that jackass up in Ann Arbor. <laughs> that doofus glasses wearing, shirt off throwing, scared to eat chicken jerk. 
it's uh, it's Jim yeah. Harbaugh. It's Jim Harbaugh for me. If anybody if anybody couldn't tell, it's Jim Harbaugh for me. Um, no, I get it. I understand why Bob. I understand why y'all hate Bobby Petrino. The dude is a a swindler. <laughs> all all American bad guy. Uh, let's move over to Old Miss. Uh, Old Miss started last year seven and zero, but slipped down the stretch with a disappointing one and five finish over the team's final six games. Coach Lane Kiffin hopes to avoid a repeat of last season's collapse with the hire of Pete Golding as the team's defensive coordinator, along with one of the SEC's top offenses, led by running back Quishon Judikins. On offense, quarterback Jackson Dart was pushed by transfer Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard in the spring, and that battle should probably go on into the fall, although I expect Jackson Dart to win that battle once again. The team uh, must continue to improve on defense and hope Dart or another quarterback can elevate the passing game in 2023. In both of those areas deliver, Old Miss could exceed last year's eight-win mark if the quarterback and defense can get rolling early and keep rolling i don't think they reach that eight win mark again this year i got them at seven and five once again would not be shocked though if they racked up eight nine possibly even ten wins if they can find a groove i'm a big lane kiffin fan just because he's kind of goofy yeah i agree i like kiffin a lot and i think he's he's a talented coach and i think for sure he is built he's building something out over there in old miss that may not rival uh, Alabama, but it it kind of does. Yeah, it can come back and you know it can come back and win the West one every four or five years. You know, I think that's I don't think that's out of the question for what for what Lane Kiffin is doing out there at Ole Miss. Uh, well, win the West, I guess for this year only, um, because next year they won't have East and West conferences. It'll just be just the SEC. Uh, over in South Carolina, wins over Tennessee and Clemson helped South Carolina finish on a high note in the second season under Coach Shane Beamer, who is who is a goofball and I love the guy. Uh, the Gamecocks aim to take another step forward towards the SEC East this fall and certainly have the pieces to build on last year's momentum. Quarterback Spencer Rattler and receivers Juice Wells led by a dynamic passing game under new coordinator uh, Dowell Logans. Addressing the offensive line and rushing attack remain a priority going into this fall for the Gamecocks. South Carolina's defense lost a key contributor at every level and returns only four starters from 2023. This unit may take some time to mesh which when Rattler and the offense will have the lead way early on against a challenging schedule could be to the Gamecocks' advantage to try to roll out and find more chemistry in those early games. I don't know if the Gamecocks are going to win the SEC East. Once again, Billy, I've seen people picking them. I think that's more of a realistic pick than Vanderbilt just because if Spencer Rattler can get rolling like we know he has the capability of doing, they can win a lot of games they probably shouldn't. I'm going to take a conservative route, though, this year. Give me the Gamecocks at eight and four. The, the biggest question about South Carolina is does Shantavius Shivers and uh, Vakari Swain get in? Uh, I'm going to say no on Shivers because uh, offensive linemen rarely get to playing time as a as a true freshman. That's that's you very, very sure. rare. Um, Vakari Swain, though, I would say he'll see some special teams duties uh, because I think there's a there's a maximum amount of playing time that you can have and still be a redshirt freshman. Um, and I'm not sure what it is. I would assume he's going to redshirt, but still play because there's, I think there's a certain amount of stats that you can still play or a certain amount of games that you can play as a redshirt freshman. So I, I would say early on in the season, we're going to see Bakari Swain in some special team situations, but I, I would guess that probably both of those guys are going to redshirt. Yeah. Although I could be we'll wrong. Bakari Swain could have three or four diving catches. I mean, that's what we expect from Bakari Swain. Bingo. Bingo. Uh, let's move on to Mizzou. 
I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna surprise you with Mizzou. Uh, if Coach Eli Drinkwitz can get the offense on track, Missouri has a chance to surprise surprise the SEC this fall. The Tigers return the bulk of their defense that ranked among the best in the conference last season by limiting teams to just 25.2 points per game. However, the offense averaged 24.8 points per game and struggled to generate big plays or consistency in the passing game on a week-to-week basis. Brady Cook is expected to start at quarterback, but he could be pushed by Miami transfer Jake Garcia in the fall, whose favorite ice cream is Cherry Garcia. Uh, receiver Luthon Burden is one of the SEC's top playmakers, and while an improved offensive line should help Cook or Garcia elevate the offense, it's going to be a struggle for them to break that 30 points per game mark, which I think they're going to need to, to be really competitive over in the SEC East. I'm going to shock you here. I think they finished 10 and two. I think, wow. I think Missouri has a lot of talent. I like Eli Drinkwitz. I think he's a great coach. I'm picking Missouri to finish 10 and two and finish second in the sec East this year. It's a big number. Okay. I like them. I like Missouri. A lot of, a lot of offensive firepower that if they can get on the same page, they should be fine. It's not going to be a top two or three offense in the sec but it won't need to be because of how good that defense should be this year if, if you can give me like a fifth or sixth offense in the sec that should be good enough to finish second in the east i, I really like mizzou going into this year okay uh and we will wrap up our sec preview on thursday we got more teams tomorrow and then we will wrap it up all on thursday and get ready for uh for college football high school football and nfl football to start well, give me the disappointing news from the uh, Marine South scoreboard. A Marine night. South scoreboard from last night in the NL East. Phillies beat Marlins 4-1. Nats beat the Brewers 5-3. And the U.S. women draw against Portugal 0-0, but do advance into the knockout stages. And Carly Lloyd was absolutely ripping every single person that was playing on this team because they were down there and celebrating a draw, a very nervy draw, and a draw that they played horrendously in. Uh, Alexi Lawless and Carly Lloyd were absolutely ripping them to bits for taking selfies with each other and dancing on the field, laughing, have a good time. It was, I don't know, man. It was not a good atmosphere down there. The, the pundits were absolutely killing the U.S. women's national team. I understand that the United States moved on. And that's great. That's great news. You scored what? Two goals in in your first game, right? Four. Was four, it two or four, four? Nothing. The four. Uh, I'm pretty sure three or three or four. Beat Viet, Vietnam. Uh, three. Three nothing. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Beat Viet, yeah, beat Vietnam. Three. three nothing. So you scored three goals in your first one. One in your second and didn't score anything against Portugal. So you went 1-0-2 in your knockout round, yep. or in yep. your group stage, when you are supposed to be the dominant force in the world right now. Nope. Not happy. And I, I have every... I am behind Carly Lloyd and Alexi Lawless right now. There's no reason for you to be excited about this. Yep. I agree. This, this, isn't, this back, isn't the men's national what, team. You're back-to-back back World Cup champions right now? Yep. Going you're for trying to go back to back to back, and right now you guys know what the hell you're doing, and yet you're 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 excited about no, yeah, Mm-mm. no, I, I'm with you. 
I'm with you, and every every U.S. soccer fan should be with you as well. Uh, the the goal isn't to advance out of the group stages for the women; it's to win the World Cup. It's not the men's. You know, when when the men's team advances out of the group stages for the World Cup, uh, yeah, I'm usually happy. I, I don't care how we advance; just advance. But the the U.S. women's national team—that's all you can do—is just scrape by and finish second in oh. your in your in your group. Unacceptable. No, it's embarrassing. It is. It's embarrassing. You scored so. four goals the entire time. Yep. The entire time in group stage four and and didn't look good doing it no yeah i'm i'm with carly lloyd i'm with alexi lawless yeah it was embarrassing the way they took this win or not even a win the way they took this draw uh I, I'm, I'm with them i'm 1000 percent with them i mean other than if you don't get that miracle goal versus the netherlands that header you're out yeah you're going home you're not advancing to the knockout rounds so yeah very disappointed. Very, very disappointed in the U.S. women's national team. Doesn't mean I'm not going to pull for them in the next round, but no, just disappointed in their not. reaction. Uh, I don't know. The celebration of mediocrity. That's a that's a longer uh, that's a longer podcast though. The celebration of mediocrity in today's society. Uh, on the Smiths floor coverings, games and events calendar in the NL East: Phillies at Marlins at 6:40, Brewers at Nationals at 7:05. Mets at Royals at 810, and hopefully I'll only have to do that NL East update uh, a couple more times this year because we will have high school sports starting in a couple days, which I am so juiced about. Yeah, the whole reason we did that for the past couple of years is because of the fight that the Braves have been in for the NL East. Um, we don't really have a fight right now. No, not right now, and hopefully it stays that way until the end of the regular season, which would be beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. Bryce, you need another cup of coffee? Indeed, sir. Indeed. Mine is... Another cup of coffee. T by realtor Hannah Strawn with the Robert Goolsby Real Estate Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick tears his Achilles in practice and a non-contact injury. This sucks, man. Ah, uh, yeah. I hate to see this. Um, just one more... Uh, one more... One more Bronco weapon out there that went down. I mean, that's, you know... That sucks for Mr. Unlimited out there. After uh, after old Cuzzy was given last year's head coach. Oh, who, who coached last year? Crap. After Sean Payton was giving him such a hard time for doing a crappy job out there in Denver. Hackett. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, giving him such a hard time. Oh, he's, got, he's, he's down two wide receivers for Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> So it'll be an interesting season out there in Denver. I don't think they're any, I don't think they're gonna be any good, but we'll see. Cowboys running back Ronald Jones suspended two games for performing performance enhancing drugs. Oh, geez, dude. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's not great when you get your essentially what's gonna be your backup running back suspended. I mean, that God, that that running back room is so terrible. I mean, outside of Tony Pollard. We've already run this down, but Malik Davis, Ronald Jones, who's suspended, and Deuce Vaughn. Like, those are the backup running backs right now for Dallas. What the hell are we doing? Sign a, sign a backup running back. Dude, the running backs that are free agents right now oh, are big names. insane. Big names. Yeah. I mean, Zeke's still out there. Dalvin Cook, LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, there's there's a lot of good a good backup running backs out there that would be very productive. So, I, I don't know what we're doing, man. That running back room is, is thin and, and bad. Broncos, KJ Hamler stepping away for treatment for a heart issue. Oh, hate to see this as well, man. Um, yeah. Another wide receiver hit. So, yeah, he said he's been been diagnosed with a mild heart irritation called pericarditis. 
uh, which people who are a lot smarter than me probably know what that is. But I mean, yeah, losing Tim Patrick from a uh, you know from an Achilles, and now now KJ Hamler stepping away. I mean, that's that's two targets that Mister Unlimited doesn't have on the uh, field this year. Northwestern expected to add Skip Holtz to the staff. Not Lou, Skip. I hope we get some Lou Holtz talking about Skip Holtz uh, being added to the Northwestern roster today on Pat McAfee's show. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and then finally today in 1994, Baltimore shortstop Cal Ripken Jr. becomes only the second player after Lou Gehrig to appear in 2,000 consecutive Major League Baseball games. A one nothing win over the Twins. The Iron Man. He's the only person that's ever been able to get me to eat Wheaties. I remember when I saw Cal Ripken Jr. on the box of Wheaties. I had to get some, and I ate the crap out of it. (laughs) Yeah. They couldn't have picked a worse-tasting cereal to make popular and put sports figures in the front of. Wheaties is terrible. It's an awful, awful cereal. It's terrible. Agreed. You got anything else for us? Nah, man. Let's get out of here on a Tuesday. Let's do it. Uh, tomorrow we will have our typical podcast. Uh, tomorrow, what are we? Do- are we doing the walk up music? We are tomorrow? doing walk up music. Yes, we are combining WWE, MMA, uh, all those MM, you know, all those mixed martial arts disciplines uh, for walk up music. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be interesting. I know a lot of our a lot of our viewers and listeners will be very anxious to hear what our top five are. Mine, mine will be a hundred percent walk wrestling so mine will uh, probably be three mma and two wrestling or some, something like that yeah all right for bryce farling i am billy lindall have a great day everybody we will talk to you tomorrow same time same place shake your neighbors just shake them shake your neighbors